This is a mission-focused life with Tim Olofsson, co-founder and executive director of Another Child Foundation. Up next, Tim will speak with this week's special guest, offering special insights on how you can live a mission-focused life. This week's guest, we have Lucian Marginan, uh, who is a good friend who lives in Romania and works really just every day to, to better the lives of children and families in Romania who find themselves in vulnerable positions. So anyway, we'd just like to welcome Lucci to the program today. So, hey. Hey, Lucci, is, uh, I met him a, a number of years ago um, on a mission trip to Romania when I was over there. And uh, he really loves serving others. Uh, he's a very diverse gentleman. He loves music. Uh, he's funny, single. And, uh, but most importantly, he, uh, he loves serving the Lord. And uh, today we're going to have him share a little bit of his story and uh, how he feels he is living a mission-focused life. So anyway, uh, so Lucci, why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are today and, and what you got going on in your life. As we all know, for the moment today, it's just uh, unusual days. That you most of the time you have to stay home or you have to stay far away from people. You kind of have to keep distance to different persons and different communities. So it's a uh, difficult times, but it's good if we always find a way to help in different ways. And it's always um, it's a good opportunity to find a way that we can handle this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as you know i'm i'm working uh, and um yeah in my free time for the moment i haven't done anything yet because of this uh, uh pandemic situation yeah. which somehow not it didn't put me down but it kind of stopped me doing different things even like um in a church sometimes um i had to go to the church and it was just me and my band and no one else in the church, and we had to do it, you know, without people. I mean, it was just 10 of us, maximum, in the whole building. But, yeah, normally, uh, my daily job is, yeah, I'm going to job, working, and then uh, I come back home, home. then I um, I do some uh, beds, because um, in my free time, I... Um, uh, by uh, broken bed, beds, I fix them and I help different different people. It's n- you actually I'm selling them, but I'm selling for a very low price. Very good. Because people used to ask me, why are you are you selling so cheap? Mm-hmm. And I, and I asked them back, do you want me to give you a little bit more expensive? I can do that, <laughs> but it's not worth it. Yeah. So I, this is the opportunity for me. To tell them, okay, you, you see, I'm a Christian guy. I'm, I'm, I'm Christian. And um, for me, it's more important to help than receive more money. Yeah. yeah. And like this is another opportunity to bring gospel. Yes. But why? What does it mean to be a Christian guy? What do you do different than us? So this is another opportunity to tell them the, the, the the story of Jesus Christ and how I became Christian, where I go to church, what what, what am I doing in the church? How do I serve God and things like this? Yes. You also have a dog, I know. Yeah, he's sleeping right now. Okay. (laughs) 
yeah. just came out from a walk, a long yeah. walk. Yeah. So one thing I've learned about Lucci is he is a man. Well, I don't know if you're a master of many things, but you are an idea guy. You always have new businesses, new opportunities in which you're looking at, you know, you're talking about doing a not, a, not a taxi service, but a high end service where you can transport people from location to location. Um, he does, of course, the beds. You, you just do a variety of things, music. I know you, you're a good singer. And uh, yeah, I used to sell a lot of um, uh, microphones for churches, especially for churches in the Romania. But because of this pandemic yeah. thing, I couldn't sell a lot, only two. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to try uh, things, right? I'm, I'm okay with that. I like yeah. to try new things. So yeah, it's okay. Yeah. So I think one of the things that you do that's that should be encouraging to our uh, people is you just by through your conversation, through your daily actions of uh, interacting with people, you look at that as an opportunity to share the gospel with people. Um, so maybe it's a unique thing about selling beds at a, at a low price. People say, what's different about him? Because most people don't look at other people that way. They look at what are you trying to get from me rather than you're trying to help me. So I think what you do is very good. So. Yeah. The main idea, it was that I was helped a long time ago by somebody gave me a very good bed and I realized, wow, that, that was a big blessing for me. Yeah. So I took that blessing and returned to other people. And then like this, it was an opportunity to tell them why. Yes. Why am I doing this? Yep. That's awesome. That is, that is a great way to create conversations with people and to really open up the opportunity for people to see you differently. It's like, this guy's unique. What does he have that I might not have? Um, and that just allows the spirit and, and God to work uh, in people's lives. So I know you have a really incredible story of being an, an overcomer. Your situation as a young child uh, was difficult at, at the least. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to, to share that story with our listeners, starting from when Nike was as young as two years old, your situation, and then um, you know, growing up in, in an orphanage in Romania, that had to have been different. So tell us about that. Well, as we all say, I grew up in a normal family. Yes, I did grow up in a normal family. Actually, my family was a big, big family. My mom had actually 14 brothers and sisters. And yeah, two of them passed away when they were young and they were left like 12, but I knew most of them. So I used to live with them for two years. So when I turned two, they had a fight. My mom and my dad had a fight. I don't know exactly. I mean, I heard different stories why this happened. And then in the end they divorced and my mom said, okay, we divorced. And somebody has to take a child. Okay, I'm going to take, I have one more brother who's uh, older than me. And my mom said, okay, I'm going to take this child, the older one. And my father's supposed to take me. And here comes the problem. My father thinks that I was not his child. So he wanted my brother, not me. My mom said, no, I want the older guy i don't want lucian he's too small and then situation went wrong and in the end i end up being with my father and because my father didn't want me because i was not his child 
they decide, I mean, both of them decided, okay, it's, we have to throw him in an, or, in an orphanage. That's our only option. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember, I still remember the day when I was brought to this orphanage. It was a um, government orphanage. I mean, it belonged to the government and it was a really, really bad orphanage. I think there were between 150 and 300 kids. I'm not really sure exactly, but there were many, many kids. When I got there, I thought, oh, that's a farm park. I'm going to have fun. (laughs) (laughs) But I did not know that I'm going to end up being there for years. And then the second day came and I realized something's wrong. I was not supposed to be here. I was supposed to be in my bed, in my apartment. I even remember how that apartment looked. So I still remember. Yeah. So I was, I was shocked that something went wrong. And then the second day came by, the third day came by, and it kept going. And I realized, okay, something has been changed. I'm not going to leave this place. So I felt like um, I was lost. Yeah. Did, I, anyone I come had, and, did anyone come and visit you? No. 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 Uh, clean cut dropped you off and it was yeah it was just i had no idea what happened Mm. after probably a year i remember that somebody came and took me for a week or a weekend and then they brought me back Mm. but because as i heard i was a cute kid when i was small so people kind of liked me and uh, i remember I was in this orphanage and something went wrong. I did something in my ear and I had to go to the hospital. So I had to stay there for a few months. I don't know what exactly happened. And I remember I was probably three and a half, something like this. And then doctors were shocked. Okay, why this this kid is in, in the orphanage? So they wanted to find out my behind story okay how did I end up being in this place so in the end they find out and then some of the doctors they wanted to adopt me and then um yeah of course they have to ask my mom because she was actually responded I mean I belong to her Mm -hmm. and she never allowed anyone never allowed anyone to adopt me wow I did not understand why. So I end up be going back to this place with this orphanage. I don't want to talk about what happened there because it's it's not gonna help anyone, mm. but it was tough. It was really, really, really bad. And I don't want to remember. I just take it as a past. It happened. It happened for a reason. I have no idea why, but yeah. Yeah. When I turned five after the um, revolution in 89, um, a guy from England came and um, he wanted to, um, he wanted to adopt a few kids, but actually he wanted to take some kids from this uh, state orphanage and put it, put them in a home care. So he, end up opening a, a ministry in Romania, which called Global Care, Home of Hope. Okay. 
And um, yeah, I was, I remember he came, um, of, we were kids. So for us, hello, yes, hello, yes. It was the whole conversation. Yeah. Hello means everything, yes, means everything. And it was me, me, me. <laughs> so I don't know what happened and how it happened, but I remember, I mean, probably I felt that this guy asked us, who wants to come with me? And of course, a lot of kids says, me, 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 me. So um, I was one of them. I was, um, he chose five kids and I was one of them. So he bought a house in uh, Romania and he said, okay, I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna take five kids. I'm gonna try to make a difference bring them bring bring a hope in their life yeah and uh, yeah it did work of course as i'm here <laughs> and everything went good yeah but as i remember the stories behind the governments told them it's not gonna work yeah. it's wasting your money wasting your time it's not gonna work and guess what we end up being their 18 brother, brothers and sisters so it didn't work. And uh, yeah, time goes by, different situation in this ministry because nowhere it's the same. But I have, um, um, I mean, problems are everywhere. Yeah. But being a, a, a kid, you always want to have this feeling of family. You always want to want to have a mom, a dad to rely to, to um, talk to, to, tell your problems, which we never had this. Yeah. It didn't work. But yeah, as I said, time passed by and um, this guy, actually, he was Christian. Yeah. And um, he opened this ministry through, through, I mean, he had a vision. And uh, yeah, he because he was Christian, he took the vision from the Bible to raise kids, to help kids, because uh, the Bible says, uh, help poor kids, widow, and yeah, if you do this, you help me, yeah. says Jesus. So he took this opportunity to serve God by helping kids. Yeah. So, so go ahead. Yeah. So what was life like? And so I know in the orphanage, it was, it was hopeless was always, there's just this overwhelming, when I've been to orphanages in Romania, just this overwhelming sense of just this hopelessness. It's just so depressing there. So in the, in the group home, did that change a little bit? Did you start to see a, a different family type atmosphere? And things yeah, like it, that? it was, it was a lot different because first of all, it was a Christian uh, yeah. ministry. And we have Christian people who work in this ministry who took care of us. And I just saw a, a movie like two weeks ago. It was very funny to see myself saying the uh, Lord's Prayer. Okay. And I was probably like five and a half, six, six years old. Yeah. So I was like, wow, it's been a long time. Yeah. Somebody, some, somebody sent me that video and I was, you know, yeah. I was overwhelming. It was really... Yeah. Nice to see that. But yes, it was a lot different. And also because it, it was just, we were not 200 kids or 150 kids. We were 
actually 18. Actually, it was a big, big house and it was uh, divided by two floors. Okay. So it was nine and nine. Wow. It was two apartments. So it really felt somehow like a family, but still in this ministry, we were missing the man, the father. We had a uh, woman who took this um, mom side, helping us, but we always miss a man in the house. Mm -hmm. So that was a small mistake, probably, I don't know. We had men's, but nobody sat there all day long with us so we can learn things in a manly ways because we were boys and girls and we're supposed to, you know, eat. Yeah. But it was, yeah, different than it was before. Yeah, that's one of the things I've always noticed over <laughs> many of these these kids that we um, they have somewhat mothers in their lives but they're missing that that male role model whether it's an older brother or a father or grandfather they really miss that and I think that comes from both the girls and the boys in the in the in the areas that I've worked I mean they miss that so that's one of the things I found out when I was going over there is sometimes they just need a male role model somebody to look at and to get some comfort from, just to have some a male around. And that's obviously what you wanted and needed too in the group home. For me, I, I um, desired a lot for a family because I knew how, how was to grow up in a family. So I, my desire for this was very strong. I looked forward my whole life to have a family. Even now, my desire is to have a family. Yeah. I mean, I think probably it's normal, mm -hmm. but yeah, for me, family was priority. Yeah. Now, one of the things I've heard through the years is that most kids who are abandoned at early age, they fall into one of two camps. They either fall into this deep desire and this hope that mom and dad are going to come back. I just know, I just know they're going to be there. They're going to come back for me. Or they fall into the other camp, which is say, I hate my parents and there's usually they either hate and despise them and just try to forget them, or they just hold on to this desire to be reunited with the family. Because I know I met one um, younger boy who who was left in a garbage uh, bin by his parents, and he he hated them. And it was a burden that he carried around for such a long time. He could never get past the hatred of people in general, the trust of people, because he could not let that go. And I can understand why he wouldn't. And then I meet other kids who have this, this almost a dream at some point becomes these parents probably aren't going to come back, but they hold on to that hope that they are not forgotten by their, the people who should love them the most. They've abandoned them. That's, that's something that they never quite overcome. And I think that's where you kind of fell into that. It's normal to have this feeling, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's totally normal. But at one point, for example, I had the same um, same problem. A part of my life, uh, I always hoped that my parents will take me back mm -hmm. because that was my my desire. Excuse me. A lot of people calling me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was my desire to have a family around. But um, when I... I turned 14, I was in this group home. 
I was 14 and still I was desired to have family with me. So I said, okay, if they don't want to do something, I want to do something. I have to do something. So I did something wrong, not for my family, but for the ministry who took care of me. I just ran out in the midnight. And of course that was not a good idea. Mm-hmm. But being a kid, probably I was not thinking about the circumstances, what's gonna happen if I leave the ministry. Of course, everybody get panicked. The police came, this guy disappeared. But actually I ran out to be with my mom. Mm. But during that time, my dad passed away. So it was difficult for me because I always wanted to meet my dad. I never met my dad. I mean, when I I was two years old and then everything stops there. Since then, I never met my dad. But my desire to be with them, it was always inside of me. Mm -hmm. So I took this this chance. I was almost 14. I said, okay, I'm going to do this. So I ran out from the ministry in the midnight, being with my mom. And then the second day, she brought me back. I was just a child. Yeah. I mean, that's supposed to be normal because actually I was, I mean, the ministry took care of me. Yeah. So I was supposed to be there. It was normal that she brought me back. But I was just a kid. And then I realized, hey, my mom doesn't want me, actually. He brought me back. So since then, I decided I have to think differently. I decided I have to accept the situation. And I decided that actually this opportunity, I mean, she um, abandoned me. And this might be a good reason that it happened. Yeah. It might be an opportunity for me. And then after a few years, I just started to realize that actually it was really good that she abandoned me. Because growing up, I had a chance to go to school. My brother didn't have a chance to go to school. Mm. I had a chance in 2003, I was probably 14 and a half or something like this. I had the chance for the first time in my life to go in England. My brother, he never left this country. My mom, she never left this country. Maybe some of my uncles, my uh, uh, cousins, they probably never left this country during that time. I had that opportunity and I I just realized, man, this is a good chance for me. So during that time, I just started to change my thinking, accept the situation. It's not easy. It's not easy because we are human beings and um, we always desire for someone to be next to you, someone which which is close to you. Mm -hmm. But from that moment, I realized I have to do something. I mean, I have to make a big change in my life, even by thinking, desires, and things like this. Yeah. So what have you taken out of that, those learnings that you're applying into your life now? So what do you, I mean, so I know you love working with children. I know when I see you at camp, you just have a natural, um, you're like a kid yourself in a way that you can interact with these kids and and connect with these kids. So what have you taken from that learning 
of, of a child and what are you trying because you you have this ability to take the positive the silver lining in a, in a cloud and try to make the best of your situation so how are you helping kids today by doing that what you learned yeah first of all some people are asking me why am i doing this why it's because um being helped it helped me get to the point where i am now which i could say i'm really thankful some people says wow you are awesome some people might say ah, it's normal some people might said how did you do that so um, being where i am right now is because someone or somebody invest in me they invest maybe with some money so then i have a chance to go to school they invest with their time telling me stories about christ like this i uh, i get to know christ as lord and my savior uh, some people took their time to teach me how to play an instrument or explain me how to handle instruments so receiving all this information all during all these years I just realized, hey, it's time to give back. Yeah. It's and it's it's good to collect all these things inside, but at one point, you, you can you can't collect any. I mean, you're too full. Yeah. And you might have to give out some things to get new stuff inside. Yeah. So um, I just realized, okay, it's time. It's my time now to give back to the community what I received. Yeah. Okay, I was this child, had no future, but actually because of those people, now I have a future. Okay, those kids, they have no future. But if I'm here, that's for a reason. Okay, maybe I'm here to help them have, help them have a future. So uh, when I worked in Sigishwara, for example, I went in um, villages and I teach kids guitar. I went to the churches, I teach them guitar or stuff like this. So mm -hmm. yeah, I help, I help also with um, a very bad community. I mean, they were gypsy and they would not allow anyone to be around them. And then I realized that you have to be like them to understand them. Of course, I'm not gonna do what they did, but I have to put myself down all the way down so then I can understand what's their need, what, what, what is their need. So like this, I have a chance to bring the gospel to their level and then go to the next step, next step, next step. And then I can be part of uh, their community. I can, um, when they see me, oh, I know this guy, I like him. They accept you easily. But if you are a new guy, they might not accept you because they don't know you. So yeah, it's sometimes it's nice to be a child and act like a child. Yeah. Maybe because I didn't have a very nice or I mean normal childhood. But to be honest, I don't care if people judge me if I'm too childish. Yeah. I feel nice. The kids are feeling good. I understand them. They understand me. And trust me, they probably accept what I'm saying easier than what other people will say absolutely so ah, it's you don't have to be ashamed to act childish when you are around kids yeah. 
No. And for me, it's very funny to see old people, old people <laughs> acting childish when they are around kids. I love that. Yeah. I love to see that. Yeah. Uh, so to our listeners out there, anybody who feels like they have come to a situation where um, they just don't know what they can do. I mean, I think Lucci is a great example of someone who has, who has taken their past and turned it into a positive. So we, we all are taking things in throughout our life. And what are we going to do with those things, that, those experiences that God is putting into our lives? If we take them as an opportunity, similar to COVID, a lot of people are looking at COVID situation, the pandemic, as an op- as a huge obstacle. What we've tried to do is look at it as, as an opportunity. And it's, it's, it's opened up a lot of opportunities. So, uh, so all these things that we take in in our lives, we have to look and try to figure out what is God teaching us? What is he equipping us with to help and to serve others? So for those people out there who are unsure of what God is doing in their lives, um, know that he is working within you and that he wants you to, to take those experiences and, and move them forward and to, to help other people. And you're a great example of that, Luchi. So tell us a little bit more about what, what are you doing right now? I know, um, so you go into homes. I know you deliver groceries to homes and tell us some, a little bit more specifics of what you're doing um, with families right now. Well, yeah, I'm doing grocery and um, I help a few families. But uh, the main thing about this is not helping them with grocery. Yeah. I mean, it's normal to, if you want to work, then you might have to eat something <laughs> to have power yeah. and work. Yeah. But the main thing is uh, bringing gospel in that family and um, help them understand okay, it's not what I'm doing. It's not what they're doing. It's what God puts inside of us by, you know, that we are doing this. Yeah. Uh, because many times some people says, oh, I thank you so much. Okay. But you should thank God because he put this desire in, in me. I mean, I'm not talking about grocery. I'm, I'm talking about any situation. Yeah. If, if you help someone, it's just because God put in you this desire to help so i encourage those people who thank me yes i i'm feeling good because it's normal to feel appreciated when you help but for me it's more important telling them uh, wait, wait a second wait is wait a second you have to thank god he's the reason why i'm here he's the reason why i'm helping you he's the reason i why i have this desire to help people that's awesome. I think with the, the key takeaway that we can take away from what you've been sharing with us is um, there's just the opportunity to, to serve other people, but to let people know the reason, the reason behind everything that you're doing within, within us. And uh, just let that, just let that come out of us, but your ability to communicate with people on their level, that was the, the key takeaway for me is how do you communicate you can't communicate on the way you like you got to communicate on the way the people need to be uh, communicated with and i think that's the main main important thing yeah you have to put yourself down and then try to understand them so you know exactly how you can handle the situation 
then you know how to talk to them and what's the best thing you can bring to them so they can accept yeah. accept you and accept your advice also so what is the one, one thing, if you had one story you could tell about something that maybe not you did, but what God did through you, let's phrase it that way. It's God done, God has done through you to affect a family and maybe that you're, that you are delivering groceries to. Is there one story that you can share that would just be, that was like so cool that you just have to share that because it was definitely God at work. I have a story, but it's not about, it's about my university time. Okay, that's fine. And I think this is really nice because in after a few years, I just find out, man, I did not expect this. So, uh, of course, I was in high school and everybody knew I'm Christian. And then in Romania, they make jokes about you if you're Christian. It's normal. I had to accept this. Sometimes I got angry and I had to fight, but yeah, I was just a kid. <laughs> but... It was very cool because uh, then I went to university. I studied, studied geography. And then when I started university, we were 700 people. I mean, in, 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 in the class or in this uh, section. And then in the end, we ended up being like 300. And some of my colleagues knew that I'm Christian. And then not, they didn't want to make fun of me. They didn't not really make fun of me, but they kind of tried to act to me differently than they act to other colleagues. Okay. And of course, I felt this. Yeah. So I told them, hey, guys, I want you to act to me normal. Don't act to me just because I'm Christian. Don't act different because I'm not like those guys. No, act to me the way you are. And if I don't like it, I'm gonna tell you. Mm -hmm. And then we had some um, um, small camps. I mean, because I studied geography, we have to go in different places and study some things. And uh, of course, when you go with your colleagues and in, in a in a place and they have fun, they have they make disco and and I was the only one who sat in a corner and do nothing. Mm -hmm. I was ashamed to dance. I did not drink. So I was totally different than them. So of course, this, this was different. And then it was an opportunity to tell them why am I different? So one of the colleagues came, why don't you don't want to dance with us? Why do you don't want to do that? Why? Well, because this, 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 this. I believe that if I drink this, okay, maybe I can drink a little. But if I drink a little, then I want to drink a little more, and then a little more, and then a little more, and then in the end I get drunk. Mm -hmm. What's the point? Oh yeah, you're right, blah blah blah, whatever. And then when time passed by, I started to. They came in um, um, in a free time. I mean, we have one hour class and then ten minutes free time, forty five minute class. So when we had this free time during. Uh, the, the classes, one of the colleagues came to me and asked me something about God. Why am I talking about God? Who's God for me? Who's Jesus? Why is it so important for me, God? Why can I not be like other people? So like this, I started to talk 
um, about God. But I started to talk about God in um, from the um, when I was a kid. I used to go to a club, a Christian club. We called Awana when we had fun, stuff like this. But we also learned memory verses. So I had all those memory verses in my head because I had to memorize them. So I started to talk about this and tell them uh, memory verses from the Bible. And then the second day I had two people. Maybe next week I had four people. And after few days or few weeks I started to have like a, a crowd mm-hmm. around me and it was I felt somehow I felt very ah what I know and you don't know yeah and what happened I had to have I had an exam to history and you have to pick a, a ticket I pick up a ticket and in this ticket was written about Easter in a, about history Mm-hmm. So I was shocked. I was, what should I say? Yeah. I knew the story from the Bible. And I said, I'm going to take my chance. So I started to write the story uh, from the Bible about Easter. And um, yeah, I put it on this test. Next week, the teacher came to me and asked me, How do you know all this stuff? Mm-hmm. I said, It's written in a book. What book? Is it Bible? Everybody knows about the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, it's very funny because you're the first person who wrote about Easter, about like, I mean, like this. Yeah. Of course, I had the, the higher uh, grades because I wrote this uh, story. But then more people came to me and asked me about, uh, about God. So I end up in university, I end up... Um, this deciding like, okay, it's time for me to get baptized. It's time to me to make a change. I'm talking to these people about God, but I never made any change changes in my life. So I decided, okay, it's time for me to show public that Christ is my Lord and Savior. So uh, yeah, I did this. Everything went very nice. I finished university and after a few years, I heard that two of those colleagues became Christian, and I was so happy. Yeah. And uh, last year, I met a colleague from um, university, another colleague. We were very good friends. And uh, when we met, hey, how are you? Well, I'm fine. How is your life? Well, I just divorced with my husband. And I felt sorry for her. And I told her, you know what? If this happened, don't worry, God has a plan for you. And she was like, are you Christian? Are you still Christian? I said, yes. (laughs) But you went to so many uh, challenges, different, uh, so many bad situations. Why are you still Christian? So I had to explain how I feel. And and then after a few months, I saw this person going to a church. So I, I asked her how this happened. Well, I just realized that we need God in our life. So this person, she baptized and now she's a Christian. Yes. So for me, I think this is the main um, uh, coolest story that I had a chance to talk in university about God, even to my teacher. 
because my history teacher, yeah. I told him about this. So I was, I felt very good to see that some of my colleagues after years, they became Christian. Maybe they don't, they did not became Christian because of me. Right. But I'm surely, I'm sure that my story helped them yeah. take a decision. So that's that's that is yeah. a, that is a cool story because I think the one thing we all got to remember is we're not called to be successful. We're, it's not our job to make people Christians or bring people to Christianity. All we're there to do is to plant seeds. And exactly. I think when you're working with youth, especially kids, especially like somebody like yourself who grew up in that situation, and the kids you're helping today, um, in a, they just need something to base. They just need those seeds planted into them and it's going to grow and it's going to be fruitful eventually. Um, but those seeds that you're planting in the kids right now is it's vital for those kids because if they never get those seeds planted, nothing will grow and they'll end up in bad situations. So it takes good people like you to, to plant those seeds in the people. I'm, I'm sure my colleagues does, they do the same. Yeah. But it's, it's nice that if, I plant a seed and they plant a seed and then everybody's doing something. One day this will, you know, like be fruitful. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be, I like the other way, because a lot of people think that when they try to live a mission focused life, it's gotta be so Christian that it's, that it's, you know, I, I feel like I got to preach the gospel to, to people. And, and it could be as simple as, you know, teaching guitar lessons, just being there for someone, listening to their problems, um, just being a list, that listening ear for them, expose them to the gospel. But it doesn't have to be, that doesn't have to be the direct action. It could be just sitting down and listening to somebody um, tell us their story and then tell them, you know, how you've overcome it. Uh, I learned something. And may, it's my opinion. I don't want to uh, make feel anybody feel bad, but mm -hmm. I just realized myself, and like I said, it's my opinion. If you make a, the change step by step, this is gonna last. But if you if you jump from the bottom all the way to the top, you might reach the top, but you might ah, yeah fall down again. Yeah. So even like nobody was born and knew how to play guitar. Yeah. Nobody, not even myself. Mm -hmm. It took me years to learn alone with no teacher, but I asked different ways, different people. How do I do this? How do I do that? So it takes step by step to become a good singer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So even with the kids, if I go to those kids and or young people and hit them with the gospel, read, hit them really hard, they might reject me. Yeah. Wait, wait, it's, it's too much, come on. But if I go step by step, because even growing in Christ, it says growing in Christ, not jumping in Christ. <laughs> Good point. It says growing. So when you grow, it's step by step. Mm -hmm. You're not... You, I was not born like I'm now a huge guy, strong guy. No, yeah. I was a baby. Then I was, I was growing. Yeah. So it's the same when you help someone. Don't actually, that's my opinion. I don't hit with the word of God. No, step by step. Yeah. Today I'm doing something easy for him. Help him. I don't know. 
like uh, helping him carrying something, give him a, uh, this bed for a lower price. Why, why, why? And then step by step, yeah. you get to the point that you wanted to tell him about Christ and yeah. Yeah, yeah cause it's, all, it's all about relationships. Everything you do with ministry, it's all about relationships. It's how you relate to people. And the best way to relate to people is meet them at their needs, at their current situation. <laughs> And then just helping them take the next step uh, on wherever they are going. And uh, so, anything you want to lasting last advice or anything you want to give our listeners that would encourage them to? Because I know a lot of people are, are maybe afraid to take that next step. They're afraid to make that commitment to do something. What would you encourage? I uh, we have a. And TV show. I mean, everybody has this TV show in uh, around the world. About we have we say Romanian got talent, but this yeah. TV show got talent. Yeah. And yesterday it was a guy who grew up in an orphanage, mm. and he felt hopeless. I mean, all all kids who grow up in an orphanage they felt hopeless at one point. And when he was twelve, he ran away. He's not Christian. But he felt that it might there is a guy, a, a God up there who, who can do something good. And then he, in the end, he got the golden bus <laughs> for what for his actions. And then um, he said he said something like this, man, whatever you do, whatever your life will be like, you know, destroyed. Uh, if you feel like nothing's gonna happen to you, just wait, just wait. And you'll see that God will touch you. Wow. God will bless you. And it will be, you will feel it immediately that that was God. Yeah. So I felt really encouraged, encouraged by, uh, by this guy. And also I remember when I felt hopeless and I thought, okay, there's nothing good for me. I'm not. I'm gonna be no one, but at one point, I just feel like God touched my head and said, "From now on, you're safe. Wow. From now on, I protect you. From now on, you're gonna be a good. You're gonna. You're gonna be the man." <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Don't feel discouraged. Don't feel discouraged. Accept the situation that you are in. in you are. Take it as a opportunity because. All things have it happens with a reason. We might don't understand it for the mo in in that moment. We might not understand maybe later, but one day we'll realize. Okay, this helped me grow up in this specific thing, or and yeah, it will be light up, and uh, you will realize that God really had a plan with, with you. Yeah. Well, very good, Luci. I just want to say thank you for, for, for a couple of things. One, for joining us today, uh, part of this podcast, but also for who you are, um, your thank willingness you. to grow, your willingness to put yourself out there. Because um, I know it's tough at times. It's, it's tough in the mission field. Sometimes you feel rejected. Sometimes you, know, you don't make the progress in what you would like to do with people. Uh, but you're out there. You're working hard every day. And we just want to say thank you for everything you do to to further Thank his you. kingdom and to bring hope to children who, who are desperate for someone uh, to believe in them. So 
Thanks for everything you do, buddy. Thank you for inviting me in this podcast. All right. All right. Thank you. See you soon. Okay. This has been a mission-focused life with Tim Olofsson. Find us online at missionfocusedlife.com as well as on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash missionfocusedlife. You can subscribe to the video version of this show on YouTube and the audio version on Spotify as well as anywhere you get your podcasts.